to this new episode, hosted by myself, Dr. Daniel Baig, a gastroenterology trainee. This podcast series is looking at interesting cases by junior doctors for junior doctors. I am pleased to be joined today by Dr. Ahmed and Dr. Indy. Today, Dr. Ahmed will present a case that Dr. Indy and I are completely blind to. All cases are completely confidential and should not be used for medical advice. We start the podcast off with Dr. Ahmed describing a 48-year-old gentleman whose presenting complaint is generally unwell and a whole list of symptoms. I hope you find this useful and we appreciate any feedback that's given to us. said something similar there right what, what did you say you said what is yeah, your I worst said, what, symptom yeah i said what's the worst symptom that you're having that's bothering yeah, you the excellent. most bothering you the and most. i love and excellent. i love to do that when the patient is maybe a bad historian or they've just got a range of symptoms and then you kind of forget hang on what, what was the main issue i like yeah. to i like yeah, to really you know, identify what the main problem is that's bothering the patient so so excellent. so that so that's why because i'm gonna i'm gonna describe some other symptoms but the reason why um, I'm I, I'm said that the main presenting complaint is generally unwell is because that was he was that's what he was saying that I just feel weak I just feel like crap right yeah. so I explored some other symptoms and he did mention uh, some exertional breath uh, okay. and he was saying that when I'm sometimes going up the stairs I feel it uh, I feel a bit tired a bit out of breath um, normally I can go for long walks but now I'm not really managing to do that anymore. Um, and um, he also complained of um, some nausea, but no vomiting. Um, he was opening his bowels and passing norm- urine normally. Um, no history of any uh, uh, sort of rashes or any chest pain or abdominal pain. Eat, um, eating fine. It was a bit limited from limited by um, his nausea, um, mm. but there had not been any any sort of weight loss or or, or night sweat. So. I mean, I've said quite a lot here. Uh, yeah. Any thoughts so far, or, or, or it's, it's not much info to go on yet? Well, no, actually, I think uh, I think that's a really a really thorough history. Actually, just giving us a, an overview of this patient patient's history presented complaint. And yeah. in reality, in reality, the you know this is something that I come across on most on calls when we come to a patient, and we sometimes want it to be a textbook and. You know, most of the times it's not textbook. The, you know, it's not the patient's fault because all the patient, the patient's not saying anything wrong. He's saying, I'm not well. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. yeah, um, yeah. And, and sometimes to describe to somebody why you're not well, you know, it, it's difficult, right? So, but as a medic, no. maybe, you know, we, we, we don't appreciate people just feel unwell and, and, and it's difficult to describe it. So, yeah, because um, they haven't got a medical brain. Exactly. Do- Dr. Indy, any ideas? So, the, so far, what I can get is, is probably like an acute and chronic um, problem, which mainly 
manifest as shortness of breath. So my immediate reaction is I'm thinking pulmonary causes uh, or cardio causes. Um, so that would uh, probably promise us more questions uh, on ma- ba- based on these main uh, headings. Yeah, okay. yeah, yeah, exactly. So that would be my immediate reaction to it. Exactly. Yeah. What about the fact that he's also complaining of some sort of nausea and just myalgia as well? Yeah. Or- yeah, I mean... The thing is, right? It, 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 for me, when I when I'm listening to your history, mm. the 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 pertinent sort of point that was mentioned, which I think allowed my ears to uh, go up, was yeah. and and, and it, it was this exertional breathlessness, right? Because mm. I think to myself, ah, oh, exertional breathlessness. That can then I'm allowed to in my in my mind to break down the differentials now. Okay, exertional breathlessness could that be a result of uh, could that be a result of a pulmonary issue? Could that be a result of a cardiovascular issue? But actually, I don't think right now in a history that I can break it down because what does exertional breathlessness mean? What I mean by that is if someone is generally unwell, i.e., had a, a, a viral illness or a flu-like illness actually going to do normal things is going to make them feel unwell and short of breath anyway. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Is that fair to say, right? So so if you're feeling unwell, you could describe, if I could say, oh, do you feel a bit more short of breath when you're doing stuff? And it's easy for me to say, yeah, like I am. But is that a result of it being a direct cause? Yeah, is it an organic issue or is that, or are we talking about the disease process in general? Mm. Yeah, and, and and that's interesting. Now, and again, when I when uh, the nausea is a very interesting symptom. Because- I try to think about the different receptors that our body have uh, mm. that could produce the symptom nausea. So anything that can so-called trigger your CTZ in your brain, your, your chemo trigger zone, such as uh, metabolic diseases and uh, toxins to your brain, or whether that would be a gastrointestinal cause, whether there's any blockage in your esophagus or any part of your bowel, or whether that could be due to a, uh, a functional disorder such as dismus- dysmotility or due to some sort of gastroparesis. So that is the kind of thing that I, I, t- I tend to uh, think when, when someone tells me they feel nauseous. Rah. Yeah, yeah. Wow. Man was yeah, just thinking, yeah. whether, whether, <laughs> you, you blew me away there, bro. That was so, wicked. So it, 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 yeah, yeah, yeah. Because it, it's kind of useful. It's, there's, it's not just for the sake of, you know, uh, classifying things. It, it's, it, it works because we, we know if we can work out where the nausea is from, so we can tailor the antimetics to that. So often it's really important sure. to pin down uh, where it's coming from. No, absolutely. No, yeah. Absolutely. Really good. So, so um, now, Obviously, it was a bit unclear, you know, there's no way we're going to get to a diagnosis based on history. But uh, if I tell you a bit about his past medical history, um, hope that might add something. Um, So his history was that he had psoriasis, um, quite mild, not really on any medication for it. Uh, I think occasional topical treatments he would try, uh, but no you know, recent flares. Um, but interestingly, he did have a recent diagnosis of um, alcohol-related liver disease. Had consumed approximately about forty units a week of alcohol for about ten years. Um, Still very well. Uh, he was abstinent from alcohol, um, but that was a, a, a sort of important uh, medical history he had. And other than the chronic liver disease and uh, psoriasis, uh, there wasn't anything else, um, and there was no. Uh, surgical history um and he wasn't on any uh, on any medications um and no no known drug allergies either so so really i mean does chronic liver disease in this situation uh make you think of anything or not really hmm. um do you want to go first dr indy yep so so you you mentioned about two things in the past medical history that got my uh, attention basically so in terms of psoriasis the question i want to ask is if this patient has been on any demarked especially uh, methotrexate in the past that could potentially cause fibrosis of the lungs and could explain some of the symptoms of shortness of breath on exertion um in terms of your the alcohol history um i i couldn't think any direct relation between alcohol and shortness of breath but obviously yeah. alcohol leading to hepatitis can can potentially give symptoms of myalgia any inflammation to the liver is going to give uh, people very unspecific symptoms of muscle ache and tiredness so i yeah, think that, that can contribute a degree of that uh, symptom yeah 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 
Sure. Uh, he was, yeah. In answer to your question, he hadn't ever taken any methotrexate um, or any DMARDs or any sort of, sort of strong immunosuppressants like that. I think it was totally sort of topical steroids, but he hadn't needed them for a long time. Okay. Mm-hmm. That's interesting. Um, in terms of his uh, social history, uh, he lived at home with his wife, two kids. He wasn't a smoker um, and he worked as a printer. That was his job. Um, and so... At this point, I, you know, I was quite curious as to what's going on. So I, you know, moved pretty quickly to uh, examination. Um, his observations were completely stable. Um, his new score was zero, um, which is sometimes quite frustrating because you kind of liked, in a weird way, you like to find that objective abnormality on the new score because then you can be like, aha, there's a problem. He's hypoxic. Slap on some oxygen. Let's do this. But he had none of that. Um, so his obs were completely stable. Um, his chest was clear, heart sound normal, um, nothing on the abdomen, um, non tender, um, no no rashes on the on the shins or uh, on the, on the arms, torso, anywhere. Um, and he was, you know, completely alert and orientated with a normal GCS as you would expect for a forty eight year old. Okay. Um, so yeah, what, 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 any thoughts? It's just quite, uh, quite. It's quite. We need some action here, don't we? Yeah. So uh, yeah, I, I mean, it, it, the the examination itself was. It, it sounds really unremarkable. Um, um, so th- as you said, the the, the the chest was clear, um, which threw me off because I thought we would hear something on the chest. So I was waiting for any. Um, uh, you know, in spiratory creps or. I, I, Listen, guys, I'm trying to scratch my head here, trying to figure out something smart to say, but I'm actually struggling. What I would ask is, in that examination, did you see any evidence of um, a peripheral stigmata of chronic liver disease out of interest? No, no, I didn't. I didn't. Um, um, he, he threw me off when he told me about this um, alcoholic uh, liver disease. I mean, I wasn't expecting mm. that. Um, but yeah, no, sorry, I didn't answer to your question. No, no stigmata of, the, of chronic disease, really. Is it all right if I ask a few follow-up questions? Yeah, sure. So, so regarding the social history, you, you mentioned about uh, the patient having two kids and works as a printer. Is that right? Yes, yes. So what I want to know is whether there are any risk factors for occupational uh, asthma or whether the patient has any allergies or whether the patient have any pets, uh, such as birds that could put them at risk of you know, atypical pneumonia, whether they have any recent foreign travel which could put them at risk of tropical diseases. And uh, on examination, whether there's any evidence of clubbing that could suggest a host of lung and uh, cardiac conditions. Uh, so I think these would be the things that uh, will be going through my mind. Yeah, yeah, sure, sure. Um, very good questions. Um, uh, so he didn't have any drug allergies. Um, he didn't have any pets um he worked as a printer but i i to be honest i didn't go into too much detail about that i i I didn't know what he would be exposed to at work and i didn't really explore much of that at the time um and um in terms of examination and whether or not i found clubbing no there, there was no clubbing um and uh in terms of sort of any recent foreign travel again no no i mean would it be fair to say that COVID is pretty high up on our differential list. I mean, it's 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 almost COVID, if not proven, not otherwise. proven otherwise. So COVID was pretty high up on my list at this point. In terms of that examination, I think you've done a good examination. Abdomen, chest, heart, check the body generally for any rashes. And, then, and all of that's come back negative. So, mm. yeah, I, I don't have anything to add. Please continue. Yeah, yeah. I mean, at this point, I'm thinking, I, well, I want to send this man home. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Um, so let's move on to the investigation, the juicy stuff. Mm. Go on. So the blood's come back and his ALP is raised. So I think it was about, you know, 240. But I checked and that was chronic. And bilirubin and ALT were fine. But then I see that his calcium is raised okay. at 3.8. Yeah, oh, wow. that's interesting. He's, he's, so his calcium is raised at 3.8. Yeah. Um, and he's also got a raised creatinine of uh 225 and is that new and 
Yes, yes. So he's so so he's got a creatinine of two two six. All the other blood tests were, were okay. I mean, uh, I mean, are there any other blood tests that that you want to know about in this situation? Yeah. So I think um, any calcium should interpret it with a pair of PTH. Mm. And and also, of course, there is um, derangement in the AL, you know in the liver function, mainly a, a cholestatic picture. So I'll run to correlate. Of the clinical finding because obviously you mentioned that there's no abdominal pain so it's not likely you're going to be an obstructive gallstone so my reaction would be thinking whether this is due to medication or other any other causes of cholestasis uh, yeah and obviously in combination of the high calcium and poor mm. renal function uh the other thing i need to exclude is a myeloma mm, mm. yeah yeah when you mentioned that this is chronic derangement as a result of his uh, alcohol binges in the past. Um, yeah, what, th- I'll tell you what I find strange. I'm, what I'm finding is that they're with no uh, other rider, uh, other transaminases. So there's no ALT was normal, as you said, um, and Billy was also normal. So uh, again, to me, that smells a bit fishy because I'm expecting there to be, if there was a chronic issue, I would expect there to from 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 the, an alcohol point of view. I'd also expect there to be some other issues with the other liver function tests. So I would agree there. What I want to know is, is this ALP result due to a liver or non-liver? Let's just break it down as simple as that. And some hospitals, as you're aware, will allow you to have ALP isomers, which will give you an indication of whether this ALP rise is a result of a, a liver issue. Right. Um, the, other, the other thing that you can look into as well is whether there's a concordant gamma GT rise as well. Because if there's a concordant gamma GT rise, we can then suggest that this is potentially coming from the liver, okay? Mm -hmm. Um, Or whether this is coming from, of course, ALP, raised calcium. The other thing I'm thinking about is malignancy. The PTH is certainly important. Um, What's interesting is patients with kidney issues tend to have secondary hyperparathyroidism but the problem with that secondary hyperparathyroidism that's completely gone out of my head now because you've suggested that this is an acute situation right so this is acute deterioration of his kidney function now certainly now certainly have a raised calcium as a result of dehydration um but again um i wouldn't expect that calcium to be as raised as that i would you know i would still expect it to be under three if it was a result of dehydration concentrated yeah. hypercalcemia so this is uh, this is very very interesting i think um uh you know how do we investigate someone with hypercalcemia and i always get reminded by the consultants to make sure the patient is not on acald free for too long oh no absolutely uh, yeah um, in terms of other investigations i think one of the things that i would do um is anyone who comes with any derangement of calcium um, this is mainly due to hypercalcemia, but you know I don't see why we wouldn't do it for hypercalcemia. I would want to check a magnesium level. I would want to check a vitamin D level, um, mm. and I would want to uh, uh, look at that in you know uh, with a phosphate as well. So I would want a full bone profile if that's possible. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, the um, the other thing that's running through my mind perhaps is to tie the multiple you know lung problem plus a high calcium. Uh, myalgia, maybe I'm thinking about sarcoidosis as well. Yeah, exactly. So, so part of the part of the um, other issues with someone with uh, an isolated ALP with a raised calcium is is sarcoid is certainly something um, which would be a uh, differential would maybe. fit everything. Yeah, would fit everything. I said they have like HB was fine and his white mm. cells were fine. His CRP was like eight. Um, yeah, ESR? nothing that. Im- Nothing that impressive. Uh, ESR hadn't been done. Um, um, the CRP. The CRP was eight. Yeah. Um, Coag was okay. Um, mm-hmm. You know, you mentioned about like uh, the you know uh, alcoholic liver disease. You if you find ALP just raised on its own with a normal ALT and normal bilirubin, you said that's a bit strange, is it? Well, with someone who has alcohol-related liver disease, your 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 the issue is mainly a hepatic issue, you would agree, right? Mm. So if it being an hepatic issue, I mm. would expect there to be a rise in someone's AST and ALT, but AST at a much higher level compared to ALT. Um, oh, right, yeah. 
I wouldn't expect an AOP just to be raised, isolated with no other problems. And, and that's what I think is odd here um, and, and, and is making me uh, raise my eyebrows to think, is there something else? Yes, I think the patient has had you know, a history of alcohol problems and we, do, we can't ignore that. But, yeah. you know, could this be something else going on? Anything um, else to add, Indy? So in terms of bloods, I think that's that's quite, uh, that's pretty comprehensive. Um, other things that could uh, help in, in terms of diagnosing uh, myeloma, perhaps uh, electrophoresis, uh, immunoglobulins, yeah. which which mm. we can look at the uh, IgA level, could go with um, obviously alcohol-related uh, hepatitis. Uh, IgG mm-hmm. would go for autoimmune type picture. Um, mm-hmm. And then I'm other things. Level. Yeah. That's correct. Um, other things that uh, would uh, maybe uh, look lower down that list, but certainly to consider is a an ACE level, which could be uh, useful in, in sarcoidosis. <laughs> yeah, excellent. Yeah, cool. Yeah, no, yeah. Um, myeloma, really, really uh, important. Uh, to be honest with you, that wasn't. Uh, uh, the you know the first it wasn't the first thing in my mind because of the patient's age, uh, but it's definitely not something that we can we have we we should we should definitely not ignore that as a potential differential. Uh, yeah. my, you know, because my understanding is that myeloma is much more common in people above the age of seventy, and I believe he was forty eight, wasn't he? Forty eight, yeah, yeah. Um, so it it, it, it doesn't some, but yeah you're yeah. right you, you know it doesn't it doesn't uh it doesn't exclude it it just makes it less likely less like yeah yeah i mean some great ideas there like what you lot have said like entirely agree with your management plans um because i'll tell you what i what was going on in my mind i you yeah. know I, I thought well this guy's got hypercalcemia and he's got aki what's mm. going on here i need to mm. you know uh, uh before i do some urgent treatment with IV fluids of his hypercalcemia and his AKI. What what's going on here? Is it is this malignancy or is this hyperparathyroidism? You know, I, mm. I thought let's let's think about the two main common causes. It, mm-hmm. you know, I, my brain just started firing. Has this guy got bone met somewhere or has he got uh, hyperparathyroidism? Let's figure it out. And and Indy, I think you mentioned myeloma, and that 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 was pretty high up on my list because I thought of um, what's that pneumonic? Crab. That's correct. Mm. So you got renal failure and hypercalcemia and 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 um, well, I think anemia. I think anemia is one of them. And he, mm. he never had anemia. And he never really had back and and mm. and things like that. But but I thought you know I what 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 I was doing there at this point. Because remember, this is a night shift, right? So I was like, all right, what do I need <laughs> to get sorted before the post take ward run? Yeah. yeah, the electrophoresis is not going to come back at four a.m. Yeah. That's right. right, but but I thought, all right, let's get a let's get a, a you know let's get a, a Benz Jones protein from his urine. Um, we'll dip the urine as well. And uh, by the way, I don't think there was anything significant on the urine dip. Uh, we got we sent her for your uh, Benz Jones. Um, and like you you said, Dan, um, I was very curious as to what the phosphate level was, so I added the phosphate level. Um, and then as the patient was being moved, well, I phoned the lab to add the phosphate level on, and I think. It, you know, I, I think I think it took some time for it to come back. And when I when I when I phoned the lab to add the phosphate level, I also said, "Can you please add a PTH?" And they said, "Oh, we only do PTH on Wednesdays." <laughs> no, no. Yeah, I think this was like a Friday night. They said we only do it on on Wednesday. So yeah, you can you can bleed him tomorrow. And and yeah, I mean, we'll save it for Wednesday, and then we'll send it to our special lab. So I was like, "All right, fine. I'll just write that in my plan." But fine, this is not going to happen right now. Yeah. Um, so I was like, right, okay. Um, uh, and I think I, I thought, well, is, is this malignancy? Uh, maybe I need to maybe speak to him again quickly. What, was there any weight loss? Or um, another old passing by asked him again, was there any weight loss? He said, no, not really. But you know, <laughs> as um, he was getting as he was getting passed on the X-ray, you went to say, hey, but by the way, was there any weight loss? Yeah? <laughs> it's all right. You know, it's like, the only one. I always have to go back to my patient. I always have to missell the important. important yeah, yeah. Oh, oh, actually, I didn't ask him that. Yeah, definitely. I've done that before. Well, well, I've actually because... had a patient wheeled in the middle before, and I remember consultant asking me if you asked this question, and then I was like, <laughs> in the middle, while she was getting wheeled up, I was asking her about her sexual. I'm like, actually, this is this is quite <laughs> inappropriate. Oh, no, Dan. So I, uh, to uh, to just say, oh, actually, I'll just meet you uh, in the ward on the ward. <laughs> no, but um, sorry, uh, go on. Yeah. So um. 
So I'm like, right, okay, so malignancy versus hyperparathyroidism. Um, let's wait for the phosphate. In the meantime, the priority right now is to treat the hypercalcemia. It's quite high, 3.8. Yeah. Let's get yeah. him on a, a cardiac monitor, etc. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. Did you have did you have an ECG at that point? Yeah, I had an ECG. Uh, fine sort of sinus rhythm, uh, heart mm-hmm. rate of about 75, normal QT. Mm-hmm. Normal um, QT. Um, yeah. And, and did we have a chest X-ray at any point? Yeah, we did have a chest X-ray, um, okay. and um, funny enough, uh, I looked at the X-ray like right towards the end of the sort of thing. Like, oh yeah, let's see if this guy's had an X-ray. Yeah, let's just you know um, cross the T's up the eyes. Let's quickly let's go and pat, check his chest X-ray. Let's see what A and E's done. Mm. And by this time, the patient is now in AAU, acute medical mm. unit, what we call it, acute assessment unit. The patient's okay. now on the ward. And uh, I'm just finishing off. My reg calls me and says, oh, Danish, you're actually, uh, I've got another patient for you. His name's blah, blah, blah. Can you go park that one? And I'm like, yeah, yeah, sure, sure. Just finishing up with this one. And as I'm on the phone to him, I click on his x-ray. Right. And the, the x-ray was absolutely mental. Oh, okay. Mm-hmm. So, so a normal mind, clear like, chest. Normal clear chest. Um, non-smoker. Non-smoker. Respiratory rate of okay. 17, um, SAT to 97. I mean, he did mention exertional breathlessness, mm. um, but, you know, nothing, nothing, nothing objective on examination. Yeah. Mm. And there, wasn't bi- there wasn't bilateral uh, infiltrates, were there? There were. <laughs> <laughs> Okay, <laughs> so this is COVID. So after that, all of this, this is COVID. Well, the heck, well this, this, this is interesting. Oh, sorry, I'm just joking. Because, because it's interesting to say that because he's, because after he's, all of that. he's I'm very excited. I'm very excited. Describe to me the x-ray. Because his x-ray was, well, well to me, I'll tell you exactly my instant reaction. I saw and the by x-ray. The way, and by the way, guys, if you want to have uh, the images to uh, the x-rays and ECGs, we're going to have this all on the uh, website. So uh, do bear with us, but um, let's uh, let's hear Danish's description of it anyway. So the, the guy was, you know, uh, uh, a, a normal slim man. Um, so you could, you know, it was a clear, uh, it was a good film, um, and it was sort of bilateral infiltrates, um, no consolidation, um, but severe infiltration bilateral. And my in first impression was, this is COVID. Yeah. Oh, hang on, this is COVID. Oh, it will make sense. The guy is generally unwell. Uh, non-specific symptoms just hasn't felt right for a few weeks and now he's here uh oh shit this guy's got covid oh no mm-hmm. and he's on aau everyone's gonna go mental what's going how's he yeah. going oh, oh, oh no he's got covid and now that like, oh interesting interesting i was like hmm, i'm onto something here uh uh covid causes hypercalcemia <laughs> yeah <laughs> I thought uh, you, know, you thought you yeah, had a case presentation. Yeah, I was like, wow, publication. Oh, interesting. <laughs> yeah, did you hear, did you hear Danish had a COVID induced hypercalcemic patient? So I was like, mm. <laughs> <laughs> I'm on the then I was like, hang on a minute, this X-ray looks like COVID slash ARDS. Like, I, I want you guys. To, I hope you guys know what I mean by when I say it looks like COVID. You know that really bad COVID picture, ARDS type picture. Yeah. Sure. That's exactly what he had. Um, but he was saturating on room air and he wasn't tachypneic. So I was mm-hmm. like, odd. So I phoned up my red because I was like, hang on a minute, something's not right. I thought maybe he's, maybe, maybe, maybe I'm getting excited by the x ray. Um, and the x ray is actually a red herring. Um, maybe this guy had COVID like four or five weeks ago or something. And this is like some kind of radiological lag. And, um, and, and, uh, maybe I should just focus on the hypercalcemia and the AKI and uh, focus on investigating for malignancy, etc. Wait for the parathyroid hormone. Let's not worry too much about the X-ray, but it is strange. And you know about radiological lag. You know sometimes when someone comes in with pneumonia and then they do a repeat X-ray in six weeks' time, and there still is consolidation, but the patient is remarkably well. And then the radiologist writes, "Well, you know, there's probably a radiological lag." And I thought maybe this is this is what's going on over here. But then I thought, hang on a minute, we are in the middle of a pandemic. Um, something's not right here. Something's not right here. Something's not right here. Let me speak to my reg. And I said, yo, boss, listen, uh, look at this x-ray of this man with the hypercalcemia. Looks like COVID to me. Mm. He's like, he's like um, but I said, it's not your typical COVID because 
you know, what's his hypercalcemia about? And AKI, what's all this about? He's like, hmm, interesting. Um, do you know what? Just to be on the safe side, move let let speak to the bed manager and get him moved to the COVID ward. I was like, you sure, yeah? Because, you know, I don't want to unnecessarily expose him to COVID if he hasn't got COVID. And um, he was like, yeah, just, uh, yeah, just, just, yeah, just move him to COVID ward. Yeah, we'll sort it out in the morning. Yeah, you I probably would side. have done the same, to be honest. Yeah, and then, yeah, is that what you would yeah. have done? I probably yeah. would have, yeah. I agree. Um, but, but what wasn't fitting, though, is, you know, this X-ray... With no hypoxia, no discomfort. You see what the discrepancy is, though. Yeah. No, no, absolutely. I can see this is it's all very odd. Because in the pa- in the pandemic, your typical mm. AR- ARDS looking picture, yeah, with that kind of X-ray, those those patients are normally starving for oxygen. Starving for oxygen, potentially. I would expect there to be a lymphopenia. I'd expect there to be a very raised CRP with yeah. that type of chest x-ray. No, I agree with you. Yeah, I mean, I had to double check. I was like, is this someone else's x-ray? What's going on? Like, I was like, oh, mm. what, what is this? Anyway, so you've, got, you, you've, got, you've got radiological images is not uh, fitting with the clinical picture or I, what your concern clinical picture is. So, so yeah, okay. It, yeah, it was like, it was, a, it was extremely unexpected. Um, so what did you do, Dr. Ahmed? So what I did, was I, I I moved him to the COVID ward, but I thought, you know, does this change my management right now? Sure. Um, and I thought, no, it doesn't. He needs IV fluids, um, cardiac monitor. We're waiting for the blood test. Um, but interesting, maybe this guy needs a HRCT, but mm, not overnight. It's not going to happen overnight. Uh, but interesting. But and the- what... what, what what, so Sorry. what? What about you guys? What, has this chest X-ray changed anything for you? Yeah, because obviously, if if it's an ALDS type picture, mm. historically, um, patient will be managed on IT with uh, intubation, and that's how they historically treat ALDS. And there's obviously some evidence saying that fluid restriction would be more helpful in ALDS. But the dynamic we have here, or the pro- problem we have here, is that the treatment of hypercalcemia in acute setting will be fluid. Uh, resuscitation. So I think yes. the two thing is having a po- you know opposing polarizing treatment is a huge uh, problem here, and I I'm, I'm I'm torn between the two. So what what would you do then, Indy? Let's say you were me and you were in the night shift. Well, I think given the hypercalcemia, I think that's more life threatening than the ALDS because the ALDS you mentioned that the patient is not uh, desaturating. So I will have to prioritize and treat the hypercalcemia first. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Did you and, agree? And, yeah, what do you think, Dan? Uh, look, the the thing is, we're, 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 what is pressing is that um, the patient isn't in any acute respiratory distress. Yeah. Um, he's he's describing assertional distance. Um, yeah. So, uh, you know, for me at this point in time, I'm not going to commit to say that this patient's got ARDS. I can say that the radiological imaging would suggest it could or it looks like ARD, if that, if that makes sense. So yeah. for, for, for me, um, you know, I, 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 I agree with you. My first priority is that a person with a calcium of 3.8 needs, needs it treated, and that's my priority. So yeah. I'm going to, I'm, 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 my priority is to be giving fluids, and, and fluid is going to be the mainstay, particularly what you've described here is an AKI as well. So putting those two together, um, it, it, for me, it would mean I would be giving fluids in in that clinical context. Um, right. And and uh, interesting, you know, that with most things, if we look at what advice we've been given about COVID, the the initial uh, advice was to keep people dry on the drier side. Now that, yeah. that's yeah. kind of that kind that has kind of changed. The the the, the my understanding is that uh, actually it's uh, a lot of people with covid because as clinicians we were very reluctant uh, to give fluids we were finding that a lot of patients were having akis and and that wasn't helpful so um the 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 ruling now is to keep them at a neutral fluid balance as best as we can yeah, so from from yeah so from from my point of view here what we need to do is is to to give the fluids not only to provide a neutral fluid balance but also to treat the hypercalcemia so so yeah that that's how i would pres- uh, i would approach it Yes, yes. Yeah, I, I think I agree, and th- and that's what I did. I just thought, you know, we need to um, mm. just get a crack on and treat this, treat the hypercalcemia here, because I can defend myself. Because at the end of the day, he's not breathless, and I'm not making his breathing any any worse or 
giving him any discomfort by giving him fluids. And as so, you said, the chest was uh, relatively, relatively clear. This is not a man who's coming with an acute pulmonary edema, which could, you know, the interstitial changes that you're looking on the chest X-ray is fluid, uh, because actually, clinically, he's not displaying any evidence of a raised JVP, no peripheral edema, nothing there for me to think that we're dealing with someone with an acute pulmonary edema. So again, I, I get, uh, you know, I know evidence to suggest he would be in heart failure. So yeah, uh, you know, you know, when I'm looking and when 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 you've described this chest X-ray to me. Um, let's say pre-COVID, uh, there would be a few things going on in my mind. So number one would be uh, this chest X-ray. Fine, is this an ARDS picture? Um, are these chronic changes? This could suggest that he's got some interstitial lung disease. Mm. Um, if they're acute, then are we dealing with someone with an atypical presentation? For example, an atypical pneumonia. Mm. And obviously, the other thing that I would be looking at as well is whether this patient's got a vasculitis as well. Mm. Um, you know, particularly uh, Wegner's and um, other vasculitic pictures do cause you to yeah. have bilateral pulmonary infiltrates from what you've described to me. It sounds like that. However, on that, or, you know, again, depending on what the radiological imaging shows as well, could this also be an indication of, um, uh, you know, metastatic disease or, yeah. or, 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 or uh, septic emboli? But nothing like that is triggering my mind once yeah. again because See, I, the patient's far too well in inflammatory so for, for me to think that this is driven by some sort of acute inflammation i.e a vasculitis the crp and his overall general uh, clinical appearance isn't fulfilling that criteria in my head yeah um so so that but that that would be going through my mind you know firstly obviously covid is always going to be here because there's nothing to suggest that you know like you said could this be a radiological lag could you have had covid and actually this is you know, the, 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 that, that's possible. Um, or, or is this, again, it sounds very acute and in an acute situation, you know, is this a, is it vasculitis? Is this septic emboli? Is this an atypical pneumonia? Um, and again, I guess his bloods aren't filling that gap for me. Mm. Now, by this time, whilst we're faffing around with sort of moving him to the COVID ward and me moving on to my next patient, um, his phosphate comes back, uh, mm. and that was normal, okay. 1.1. So I, I was thinking, oh, okay, this isn't... What I thought at that point was, okay, this isn't hyperparathyroidism, you know, because the general trend of hyperparathyroidism is, well, from what I remembered, is that you have a high calcium, you have a high parathyroid, and you have a low phosphate. Yeah. And his phosphate was normal. Um, so at that point, I've in my, in my head, I've decided, okay, this isn't hyperparathyroidism. Yeah. What, what, what are your thoughts about that? Would, would would you make that decision or, or, or I mean it's not really a decision because it didn't really change the management overnight but would would that pass through your mind or or do you think because I wasn't sure you see I mean I, I, I don't often come across hyperparathyroidism but what I thought was that you know the phosphate tends to be low and the calcium is high and this isn't that trend because the calcium mm. is high but the phosphate mm. is normal so I mean yeah. would you guys think like that or not really I'm not saying I was, I'm not going to tell you if I was right or wrong. I just want to know what you lot think. No, I mean, I think that's fair. I, I mean, if I remember correctly, if we look at the pathophysiology of what the PTH does and its role on the osteoblast, my uh, understanding of it is exactly what you would have thought. It's yeah. a high turnover. So for, for, from that point of view, you would expect there to be a high calcium, low phosphate. In mm -hmm. patients who have secondary hyperparathyroidism due to CKD, the result of it can be a bit variable because people have, uh, uh, you know, a CKD-related osteodystrophy, which can also cause phosphate to be normalized or high as well. Uh, but mm -hmm. generally speaking, in a PTH patient, um, you know, textbook-wise, I would expect that. Uh, could that change depending on the ac uh, acuity or chronic level? I'm not sure, but yeah, I, 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 what I mean is, I agree with you on this. I agree with how you're thinking. Yeah, exactly. Because 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 uh, uh, sometime later, I spoke to uh, I, I was speaking to the endocrinologist about the situation. Sure. He was saying to me, no, no, it's you know, even with a normal phosphate, you yeah. can get primary hyperparathyroidism. So don't sure. just rule out. Uh, primary hyperparathyroidism right. because of a normal phosphate still do send the PTH off. So that's why, uh, you know, it, we did wait till Wednesday and send that thing off. <laughs> um, and yeah, so now uh, any diagnoses in mind? Or... Uh, 
uh, yeah, I, I, I think. Um, or you need uh, more information because uh, he did have more investigation. Okay, well, why don't you start? Why don't you go through the investigation and then, and then maybe I'll be brave enough to commit to a diagnosis. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, but at this point, do you think that it it could be? Do you think your bet is on COVID or 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 or? Well, you 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 already said, didn't you? Think it's something maybe multi-system. It could be a vasculitis. It could be yeah, a range of yeah. things, isn't it? Yeah, I I, th- I think I think my di- the differentials as we've described haven't really changed from what you've suggested. So for yeah, me, well, in my mind, COVID obviously has to be there, but in other differentials, myeloma is still there, sarcoid is still there. And um, uh, you know other things such as a vasculitis process, plus or minus some sort of atypical uh, pneumonia, which again doesn't really fulfil something. Malignancy, you know, could this be uh, a result of uh, a malignancy causing a um, uh, a, a paraneoplastic yeah. in parathyroidism, hyperparathyroidism? These these are still things going through my mind. So my yeah. top differential is uh, still the same, and I yeah. think in my mind it's still in between whether we're dealing with someone with a young gentleman who's presenting to us with a, a cancer, a malignancy, yeah. versus could it be some sort of autoimmune cause, yeah. i.e., sarcoid plus or minus some sort of vasculitic problem. But yeah. again, the vasculitic situation doesn't explain. The High calcium in my mind, yeah. you know, unless unless we're talking about someone with a uh, multiple endocrine uh, disorder, um, which yeah. you know could potentially fulfil that. But again, you know, if I'm right in saying that, those patients tend to have other more you know multiple endocrine issues, which is not he's not really he's not really having any problems from a pancreatic point of view. Mm. He's not having any problems from so far from what we described other pituitary issues. So. You know, I think something is triggering that, yeah. and that, think, that's my that's my idea at the moment. Yeah. Before you mentioned the finding of the chest X-ray, I was hoping that you would say there is some sort of opacity that would suggest a bronchial, uh, you know, a a, a lung carcinoma, because obviously you can have things like squamous cell uh, lung yeah. carcinoma that could uh, secrete parathyroid related hormone. And that yes. could explain the high calcium. Uh, if yes. it's gone to the bone, could explain the high ALP, and that itself can cause very non-specific symptoms of myalgia and, of course, Sean's breath on exertion. Uh, but obviously, that wouldn't fit with the wet, uh, you know, the, the wet lung type picture. I know, I know, I know you. I know you were hoping for it, but I was certainly not hoping for it for the patient. Huh? <laughs> <laughs> no, but I know what you meant, though. You, you, you were hoping for it to make the differential. Yeah, know. sometimes it's beautiful. For the signs and all, all the uh, symptoms match up. Yeah, 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 yeah. So, uh, so, so I, true, I, I, I'm stick, I'm stick, I'm sticking with with the same differentials, and I'm not committing to any order at the moment. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. Is that fair? Yeah, that's fair. That's fair. I mean, so go on. Tell us the further investigations, Doctor Armitage. You know, I'm I'm in suspense. So. Um, this guy was then taken to sort of general ward. Over the next few days, he was sort of given IV fluids, pomidronate, daily using these very strict fluid balance. Uh, and he, he felt much better. His calcium started coming down. Um, and yeah, everything was, 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 was working out pretty, pretty well for him. And whilst all this was happening, two main investigations were done, uh, which gave the diagnosis. So... Um, his PTH was finally done and that came back normal. So we confidently ruled out hyperparathyroidism. So it wasn't that. Um, and then two other investigations were done. One was the HRCT. Yeah. Oh, and I wish I had the report because um, the, the radiologist pretty much said it. But then she, in the report, mentioned, I would like to discuss this with my uh, radiology colleague who is a specialist in chest chest images so she wanted to double check with one of the uh, chest specialist radiologists but she made a confident guess and also at this time uh, do you know what this is where we need a drum roll oh well, we, can, we can we can edit the drum roll here i'll okay. give you before you go to before we do the drum roll what what did she describe in the uh the report what was the description of the lungs yeah so this is sorry so this is why i apologize i don't have the report but one of the key words that she used was there is severe 
fibrotic changes. This was the mm-hmm. key phrase used. There are severe fibrotic uh, uh, lung changes throughout the parenchyma, bilateral. She said that. And then she said her diagnosis. Mm. And, and, and did she, did, did, were they committing to what? Was it lower lobe or upper lobe? Or is not, no, not she said bilateral. That. She just said throughout, throughout the lung, there is severe fibrotic change. Mm. Yeah. And, okay. uh, and I thought, hmm, interesting. And then she said her diagnosis. Are these so-called okay. crazy paving that is describing COVID? Because one of the, in, in the earlier days when uh, they don't know enough about COVID, a lot of these patients desaturate and a lot of them end up having uh, CCPA and high-risk CC and, and they often describe these findings as crazy paving on uh, COVID patients, which are somewhat similar to these fibrotic changes in other, uh, in other causes of lung fibrosis. Mm-hmm. Oh, crazy paving. I haven't heard that one. Yeah, it's a new thing. Could they say like pneumonitis and ground glass changes and these kind of mm. things are quite sort mm-hmm. of closely mm-hmm. correlated with COVID, aren't they? Yeah. I think that crazy paving is just a, a description, a radiological description of, of what, what you've just described of fibrosis. I, think, I, I believe that's what the case is. Um, right, so that, right. mos- that mosaic crazy paving kind of picture is, is, is to suggest the fibrotic slash you know what you've described as a pneumonitis type picture yeah but yeah. um yeah so cool so what we've got the hrct is now confirming fibrotic changes bilaterally in a young gentleman which sounds fairly acute with hypercalcemia um and we've ruled out hyperparathyroidism. yeah so um gosh good one so her- um so Her before she line. before before you tell us, is there anything? If you had to commit to one diagnosis, Andy, what would it? Oof. And you're only allowed one. Oof. It's it's almost impossible to say because given how perhaps acute and chronic or subacute setting, that's something that's happened so quickly. Um, and given how how fairly unremarkable the bloods are, apart from the calcium and ALP, honestly. Um, I, I I still have to give it to infection because I, I, I can't explain any other pathology that can happen so quickly by like COVID. Because mm-hmm. I, I can't explain yeah. why 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 the lung has gone from relatively normal, I presume the history is seven to eight weeks mm-hmm. to, to your mm-hmm. fibrotic changes to the extent where mm-hmm. patient is out of breath. Uh, well what's in, well what's interesting, what's important to say though, is that his last X ray on the system was from like ten years ago. <laughs> Sure. Okay. So we don't know how acute that those changes so, are. Fair so enough. we don't really know how long mm-hmm. these changes. I don't know. You, you see where I'm coming mm-hmm. from? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Especially because I was thinking, you know, radiological lag and etc. and all of that. Um, but yeah, I take your point. I take your point. Yes. Yeah, so you you think infection? Yeah. So, yeah. So, I, 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 I'm like... not commit. I'm not committing infection. I, I I think my mindset is is you know you know bilateral fibrosis um, in someone. Uh, of his age, mm. uh, I, I I agree with you. What what obviously is throwing you off is from its chronicity versus its acuity. Are we dealing with someone who could have had an, an interstitial lung disease as a result of uh, you know uh, unusual UIP, or, or could it be a result of something else triggering it? Again, could that be a result of a vasculitis, or could that be a result of um, you know a pneumonitis? triggering triggered by occupational pneumonitis or something like that possibly but again i can't think of how that fits with hypercalcium i really don't so uh, <laughs> I, I i can't i can't really commit to something at the moment you know sarcoid obviously sarcoid yeah. is obviously going to be something in your mind but you would expect bilateral what's described as from my point of view higher lymphadenopathy which is not what this hrct is suggesting fibrotic changes so mm. um you know, again, the pattern would be important here because whether it's uh, uh, basal uh, versus lobular or upper lobe, you know, it, it may help you break down the differentials, whether it's a UIP. Again, he's quite, again, youngish person, non-smoker, no real, um, no real uh, risk factors. The only risk factor you can think of to cause those uh, lung changes is, is he a painter or he works mm. in a paint factory? Him working in a paint factory can all, can cause you to have occupational related pneumonitis, um, which is something that would be in my mind. Again, yeah. maybe now when I think of things in hindsight, uh, I may have asked about whether um, um, eosinophils were were normal or raised. 
as a result of that, that could, you know, whether this yeah. is, you know, yeah. uh, associated with that. But yeah, now looking at that HR, the, the HRCT report, my differential has changed in my mind. And now I'm thinking about more occupational related lung diseases, um, you know, like uh, a, allergic pneumonitis. And now you're telling me he's from a, uh, from a, from paint worker. Um, Printer. A printer. All oh, right, fine. A printer. And, and, yeah, uh, and exactly, exactly. You know, as soon as, soon as you see fibrosis <laughs> in the report, sure, you sure, know, you, sure. you, you're thinking about uh, occupational hazards. And then what, yeah. what I was thinking was, well, he said he's a printer. What does that actually mean? I need to, you know, you need to probably go and explore what that actually involves. 100%. What do you mean? What are you printing? What is this? Yeah, <laughs> yeah why are you printing? Because <laughs> that, yeah. that, that then, because in this situation, the, the social history becomes very key. But yeah. um, it, 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 always in the, 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 the vision of hindsight. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, oh, God, I'm heart beating now. I read, before, go on, Don, go on. <laughs> but before, this is a great on. case. Yeah, uh, I, before I share, after tell all you, of that, after all of that, Dr. Indy still wants to go with COVID. <laughs> well, <laughs> I mean, Whoa, they're, they're, COVID is a COVID is a new disease, and it's so scary. I swear scary. to God, I swear to God, if this is still COVID, I am going to literally, I'm going to hang up this this podcast is never happening again. <laughs> <laughs> well, Honestly, if you turn around and she says the radiologist has said that this is likely COVID, but I want to just tell my respiratory uh, colleague, I, I'm literally going to throw my iPad out of the bin. And we're not doing this again. <laughs> I think the radiologist was quite enjoying it as well. I'm pretty sure she used some language like "my money is on." Um, but, 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 she said but, something but, like "my money, my money is on um, this." That, like. <laughs> oh, I love, I that love can't those, be true. I, mate, no, honestly, I love radiology. Look, some of their reports are just uh, amazing, particularly <laughs> the senior ones. Yeah, yeah. yeah go but, on. So um, you were saying before you commit to it, you were going to say I was going to tell you uh, one one other blood test that came back. Yeah. Um, and when I tell you the result of that blood test, you'll know what the radiologist's finishing line was. Okay. And that so. blood that blood test was the uh, was the serum ACE level, which mm. was three hundred and seventy. Wow. And it's supposed to be less than fifty. Oh, wow. that is really interesting. I think sarcoidosis here, in, in, in retrospect, fits everything, doesn't it? Because it obviously yeah. explains the lung changes, explains yeah. the calcium. Yeah. And, yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. Now, actually, in hindsight, when I remember now, going back to my paces learning, I do know that sarcoid is, a, it, it can, uh, other than causing this lymphadopathy, hyaluronic lymphadenopathy, it, one, of, one of its, uh, one of the differential, differentials of fibrosis, if I remember, is, is, is sarcoid. Yeah. So yeah, it does now. That does make sense from the from the from the results. HRCT. And that's exactly what the radiologist said. My money is on sarcoidosis, but I will uh, speak to my radiology chest colleague to confirm. Excellent. And wow. that's exactly what he was treated as. Whew, that was a roller coaster. I, I hope you guys enjoyed that and think it was an anticlimax. No, that 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 was a very good uh, case. Certainly, it got the discussion going and and especially in terms of the acute management of hypercalcemia and important differential diagnosis consider that that was a very good one uh, i've really enjoyed this i mean i mean the reason why i wanted to particularly share this with you is because i learned a couple of things because it dan you mentioned as well um you know when you think of sarcoid you think of uh lymphadenopathy right typically um, yeah. But there's actually, because well, I, I, I went on to read more about it, and there's actually four stages of the X-ray changes. And Fine. stage one is bilateral lymphadenopathy. Yeah. But then it goes to uh, stage two, which is lymphadenopathy plus perif- uh, peripheral pulmonary infiltrates. Yeah. And yeah. then stage three is pulmonary infiltrates alone. And yeah. then stage four is progressive pulmonary fibrosis fibrosis yeah absolutely so yeah. now it all kind of makes sense yeah um, but, but it's true though when we did learn about it back in the day in med school it was always a biohyla lymphadenopathy because i think yeah, that is the main absolutely. main sort of manifestation and yeah that's what i was i was thrown off because you know what? in the morning when i did speak to my consultant he mm. he, he was pretty pretty kind of you know keen on sarcoid even before because uh, he, he was an endocrinologist so even before uh, the HRCT was done. He was like, I think it's sarcoid, and I was like, Well, what, what you know? What, what about the X-ray? Like, you know, it, it doesn't look like it doesn't look like uh, a typical sarcoid. And he goes, Well, you know, what 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 are you saying? Are you saying it's ARDS? Does this man look like he, he needs to go to ITU right now? 
<laughs> and so he he was quite confident that this is this is Sarkoid. And and did he say and, this uh, all? Did he say? Did he have? Did he have the ace results um, when he was saying all this? <laughs> no, 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 he didn't. No. He didn't. But but that's <laughs> the thing because he was because uh, if you remember he was an endocrinologist, right? So I said to him, "Well, it's not happen." As I was going through, I was like, "It's hyperparathyroidism. It's not hyperparathyroidism because of the phosphate normal." And then he goes, "Oh, Danish, don't make that mistake, you know." Um, uh, <laughs> uh, phosphate, phosphate can be normal. So his money was on sarcoid, and and he was quite interested. But you know what? He made some he made some interesting comments. He said to me, mm-hmm, "I wonder whether or not um, his chronically deranged liver function is actually because of sarcoid." Sarcoid, yeah, and yeah, and it's not liver uh, alcoholic related liver disease. Related liver disease. Yeah, and, and I and I thought, well, yeah, but he has had a ten-year history of drinking alcohol, and he said, yeah, well, I'm not, I'm not denying that, but it could also be a, com- a sort of a combination. Of it. Yeah. And, uh, so, okay. are you going to give us? Are you going to give us a, a, a quick five minute on? Um, I mean, five minutes will never do justice to the topic, but just a quick uh, uh, little uh, summary about sarcoid, a little bit about the investigations and management, Danish. Yeah, yeah, sure, absolutely. So, so, um, so, from what I've read and from what I remember from before, is it's a uh, uh, chronic inflammatory disorder. Um, more specifically, it's a uh, granuloma. So it's like it's like TB. It's almost like it, it's a collection. If, if microscopically, it's a sort of a collection of macrophages which uh, engulf some kind of. Uh, 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 foreign material and in most patients this is something that happens slowly and it mainly affects your lungs and your skin and in most cases this resolves spontaneously and you often don't need any medication and uh, the only medication most people need if any is just sort of ibuprofen NSAIDs because you get that classic rash don't you uh uh, like erythema and a dosum, and uh, sometimes it can be a bit uncomfortable when it's just managed with, with NSAIDs. But um, it, it it's a multi-system disorder. Um, it can affect your liver. Uh, it can affect your brain as well. It can affect affect your heart. Uh, sure. That's why on this particular patient, they did a outpatient MRI head. They did yeah. a echocardiogram as well. Both of these investigations, fortunately for the patient, were normal. Yeah, um, and I also remember uh, that uh, my one of my consultants telling me that bilateral facial nerve palsy is an important uh, psychoid is an important cause of that. Oh, uh, yes, cause yes. funny cranial nerve problems. Mm. Oh, I'm glad you said that. You know, because when I went to the past patients course, they had a patient with that, and they said it's cause of psychoid. Wow, wow! It's so multi-system. You know, we've got to be uh, aware of it. Like you know, when we think of something weird. Um, uh, we often uh, put vasculitis as one of the causes. Yeah. You know, this case demonstrates that. All right, Dan, sure. it, was, it was just the differential, wasn't it? Don't, don't get my back on it. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm, I'm absolutely joking. And what, is there a role of steroids? Yeah, so this patient uh, was given steroids. Uh, they were, he was given like a reducing course of prednisolone. Okay, is that um, what they usually give pred or is it dex? Prednisolone, prednisolone, okay. yeah. Okay. Um, and, and, Interestingly, on discharge, they put him on methotrexate. Oh, right. Is there, like some a, evidence, is there some evidence to suggest that it helps? No, it's basically, I was reading, you, you'll probably know more about this than me, but it's like it, it's used as a steroid sparing agent, just, yeah, so, yeah. just so that we don't keep you on steroids forever. Let's yeah, use something yeah, different. Yeah. So, Interesting that they chose methotrexate because that also has the risk of causing pulmonary fibrosis. Yeah, yeah and, li- and, and liver liver damage. Yeah, but I guess, I guess the pathophysiology is is different. So actually, you know, the patient's already got pulmonary fibrosis. Is it really going to make it work? I don't know. Um, but yeah, fair enough. And you know what? I'd like to say one more thing that I like that that this case highlighted is never underestimate the power of a chest X-ray in diagnose as a, as a diagnostic tool in a patient who's generally unwell. Because I remember when I used to work in A&E and the med red used to say to me, oh, can you get a chest x-ray? I thought I was quite clever by saying, well, uh, he's got no respiratory signs and his saturations are fine and his respiratory rate is fine. But in this case, the chest x-ray was a key player unexpectedly in revealing the diagnosis. And you said the muse was zero, so you needed a chest x-ray to, to prompt you to the right diagnosis, don't you? Yeah, yeah, exactly, exactly. No, it's true. Sometimes when people come in with hip pain and, and joint pain and stuff like that, 
like uh, like a knee fracture, I say do a chest X-ray just in case. Yeah, just in case if it's something like pathological <laughs> fracture, that can be picked up. Surely the exertional dyspnea was enough for us to do a chest X-ray. But no, listen, I'm not taking away your, your gem there. That was beautiful, um, and uh, I agree. You know, the lungs are the what they say the lungs are the soul to the body. <laughs> no, no, no. <laughs> but 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 like. Yeah, yeah, no, you would still do the x-ray, but you, you, I, you know, it's so unexpected to have found it. Yeah. Well, no, it's like, imagine, imagine, imagine in a GP setting, a GP might not have x-rayed this man. You might be like, well, I can't hear anything in the chest. Mm. Mm. No, 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 I, 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 I totally get your point. I, I yeah, totally yeah. get your point. That was, that was, that was a great case. And um, I think we should just wrap it up like that. I think unless there's any final words, but I, I found that really, really good, really educational. Um, I have to be honest with you. I haven't seen any. Um, I don't think I. I think I've queried sarcoid in differentials, but I don't think I've, you know, personally like had a eureka moment. Like, oh, that's sarcoid. Uh, recently, a consultant sent me a uh, endocrine. Uh, sorry, an endoscopy report, and it had blood tests and stuff like that. And um, he kind of deliberately took away what his differentials were. And then they gave it to me and he says, what do you think the differential is? And then I was like, it was someone very similar to what you've said, hypercalcemia, ALP raised and stuff like that. And I remember looking at him and like being quite nervous. And I said, I don't know. And he says, you need to know you're going to be the consultant soon. And then I got really upset. And then I later on found out who the patient was, checked the report to, you know, to, to, for learning, right. To, um, obviously the patient was there with patient's permission, of course. And um, uh, I realized it was sarcoid. And then when I saw him last time, I said, oh, do you know what? I just realized I forgot to tell you. It's sarcoid, wasn't it? And he was like, like not really impressed because he said it took you three days to think. But no, I, you know, it's important though, because now there was a patient recently, very similar presentation of what you described. And um, it was something that I've now put into my differentials to ensure that an ACE level. Uh, yeah. And that was the thing um, I wanted to highlight is the is an ACE level plus or minus clinical uh, presentation enough for differential or do you need to do, do you need histological evidence? For diagnosis? Yeah. What's the gold standard? Well, it's actually, it's actually biopsy, but this man was never biopsied. Fine. Uh, if it was it just the, um, I, the I, assumption I, I, that I, it was quite clear that it was so. Yeah. Yeah. Basically. I mean, I think if you've got enough, I think if you've got enough clinical evidence um, mm. and sort of uh, on on scans and uh, bloods, then it, it, yeah, it's pretty, it's pretty okay sufficient. Enough, I mean, if man was managed, the patient was managed on the respiratory ward, and they probably have dealt with many cases like this before, mm. and he wasn't, uh, they didn't think it was necessary to biopsy him. It's a bit like um, I think you're probably more familiar with this, but like hepatitis. Apparently, mm-hmm. that's a histological diagnosis. It was never really done, right? No, no, unless unless it was unclear what the etiology. Was. Right. No, uh, or you know, or you or or you're committing someone to long-term immunosuppressant medications, and and sometimes a, a biopsy is important for th- that reason. But the reason mainly, I think, is also based on the fact that if the patient was to say, example, autoimmune hepatitis, even though it's all spelling like autoimmune hepatitis, I, 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 my understanding is that they would still want a biopsy on the basis of we needing to have a confirmed histology because it could make a difference in terms of liver transplant in the future. Yeah. I, I think so, my, my basic understanding of the diagnosis is, is, is sarcoid is, is a matter of exclusion. Obviously, mm. if, if the ACE is inconclusive, but the clinical suspicion mm. is still high, then they can yeah. do a bronchoscopy to biopsy one of the lymph nodes that, that's, that's in the chest that will give you a tissue biopsy. So let's do this now. The next episode that we do, we're going to find the BTS slash endocrine slash whoever deals with sarcoid because it sounds multifactorial. Um, yeah. Guidance, guidance on diagnosis. That's going to be our learning point next next uh, episode. Um, yeah. And I think that's important because, you know, it's, it's good to have these questions and uh, to, 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 to learn further. Wow, man, this has been this has been something else. Staj, what a great case. Thank you very much, bro. Yeah, I enjoyed that as well. No problem. I'm um, glad you don't like it. And I'm no, hoping that this, record, this, this recording is going gonna, is gonna to last. And, and I hope even if one person finds one, one point beneficial here, I think we've done our job. Until next time. Sorry, actually, you guys have to conclude. Yeah, thank you, guys. Uh, I hope you enjoyed that. Um, I learned this case. I hope you guys uh, learned something from this. 
Um, and uh, let's hope that we continue to find interesting cases and we continue this learning. Wonderful. Uh, wow. Okay, well, look, on to the next one. Um, <laughs> hey, let's just hope this records, man. <laughs> it is recorded. <laughs> All right, guys. All right, guys. Um, I think uh, uh, we'll, we'll leave it there. See you later. All right. Bye. All right. Have a good day. Bye. Bye. Look forward to the next episode. <laughs> yeah, yeah. All right, See mate. you later. Don't go.